Welcome to the Blind Stigma Podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. This podcast aims to provide a safe space that explores mental health within the Black community, breaks down the stigmas attached while taking back our narratives. So our guest today is uh, Marcy Gray. She is a social worker, psychotherapist, author of The Empowerment Planner, and founder of Gray Matter Health, a mental health and wellness firm that provides counseling and psychotherapy. So it'll be very interesting to hear her story and I think what she has to say, because I think she comes from a very interesting angle and a lot of things that we don't talk about in regards to women, and and that's uh, depression and pregnancy. A lot of times uh, we don't talk about that or we feel that there's shame with that. There's a lot of shame with that. When when you speak to to other moms and even myself, they'll nobody really wants to address it because the the first thing that comes to their mind is people are going to think they're an unfit mother and take away their child. Oh, so it's I speak that to mothers piece. like that, that. It's that piece. Okay, like you don't deserve this child. I'm going to take away this child because you're not fit to be a mother. You're not rightfully fit to be a, a mother. Okay. you know why are you experiencing all of this? Pregnancy is joy. It's supposed to well, give you glow. Well, that was the piece I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of you know, pregnancy is a privilege, and yes. you know, you should be happy because as a woman, that's your your birthright as a woman, you have to bear children. Exactly. So how could you be depressed exactly. when you're doing what you were created to do? Exactly. Right. And then when you talk about women too, that, that have it all, you know, they're not single mothers, they're married, they have the house, mm. they have the car, they have the amazing job, they have so much money, but how could you, how could how you, could be, you depressed? be depressed? You know, there's so many things that fall in, into factor. And another important fact is we don't talk about the prenatal depression, and yes, because a lot of times we talk about postnatal. Post. So after having the baby yes. and the symptoms that evolve as a as a result of that, yes. don't take a lot of time to talk about prenatal, prenatal or actually going through the pregnancy itself and the emotions that are attached exactly. to that. Exactly, exactly. I remember going through my pregnancy in the first three months, um, the first trimester, was was horrible. It was a typical one, like the vomiting and stuff like that. And I was working fourteen hours a day. Oh my goodness! And um, once the the second trimester came around, it was it was just my happy time, my happy moment. But so many moms after will talk to me about having pregnancies all throughout, where the morning sickness was all throughout, yes. all the things that they were dealing with all throughout and the pregnancy. And a lot of women tell me that as well. Yes, and we don't, and it's not something that is addressed. We don't talk about it enough mm-hmm. because like I said, there is this huge shame, just a shame around it. Right, right. So I think it's going to be very interesting to hear uh, what Marcy has to say and her journey, um, you know, with and her struggles with mental illness and in particularly connected with her pregnancy. So um, I think this will be definitely uh, a story that we will definitely want to hear and enjoy. Hello, Marcy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So this is Stacey M. Buchanan. And this is Dr. Natasha Williams. Hi, Marcy. Thank you for having me. You are most welcome. Thank you for being here. We're going to go right into it, Marcy, and we're going to we're going to ask you to to tell us your story, your journey along this path. So I will just begin by saying thank you for having me and thank you for this platform of being able to share my story. 
So for me, um, it started several years ago, I think 2005, when I was, I would say, happy-go-lucky, A-type personality, uh, doing everything. So I was working full-time, working part-time, volunteering. I had one child, married, and life was great, and things were going well. And um, then just a series of things just started started to happen in my life. So my dad got a deadly diagnosis. We weren't sure what was going to happen with him. Um, then a good friend of mine um, passes away suddenly. And, you know, I'm his um, child's godmother, and I felt like this burden and this weight of responsibility at that time. And then, you know, um, it was dealing with that and going through that sudden loss. And then, surprise, I found out I was pregnant with my second child. And then a couple weeks later, when I went for a promotion at work, I didn't get it. So it was disappointment after disappointment. There was just a lot of things happening. Um, I started to feel really overwhelmed with my part-time job and realized I'm going to have to step down from that, which I was devastated from. And then just um, that same time, around that same time, my grandmother, who's like the pinnacle of our family, collapses. And so her prognosis didn't look well, and the family was kind of all gathered around wondering what was going to happen. And then days from that, my godmother, who is someone who I was responsible for, um, because I was her only family left, and her power attorney and looked after all of her affairs, she died suddenly. And it was after that that I was I was beside myself. It was just after all these series of things happening, I was just not myself and couldn't figure out what was wrong because I was thinking, at the time, didn't really accumulate all these different events. So all this kind of happened within a six-month span. And so now I'm like six months pregnant, over-emotional, um, trying to figure out why I can't get myself together and just said, you know, like life happens, like just move on and get yourself together, move on. And I just couldn't seem to do that. And um, my doctor had suggested taking a little bit of time off work. And so I thought I was I was kind of devastated, even ashamed about taking time off work. And so I did. And then um, things didn't get better. They got worse. And I just found myself, you know, crying on my bathroom floor and not knowing how to look after myself, after my son at the time and being pregnant and then not telling my spouse that I was falling apart, literally falling apart. And I went for a appointment for a prenatal appointment and I guess because of all the things that I had shared with with the nurse at the time she was like oh honey I think you need to see our social worker and me being in the social services field thinking you know I'm the helper I'm not the person who needs to see someone I, w- I was saying to her no I don't I don't think so and she was like yeah I think you should see our social worker so I went to see the social worker And that social worker had said to me, you know what, Um, I really think that you would benefit from uh, a a prenatal uh, depression program. And I was like, depression? I don't think I'm depressed. (laughs) I think I'm a happy-go-lucky person. I just need to kind of get it together. And I think that, you know, I just somehow need to work harder or 
I couldn't figure out for myself um, what I needed to do, but I just thought I, I don't need help. I just need to get it together. And so um, I, I, de- I decided eventually to surrender and go to this program. And I remember, you know, driving all the way down to Toronto for this program. And every time I went in to see this therapist, I would just bawl my eyes out for the whole one hour and couldn't get any actual therapy done because I would just, I would just collapse. And, you know, after that, then try to pull myself together and go along my way after that. And uh, my family doctor had said to me, you're not in any shape to get back to work. And again, I was devastated because I just kept being hard on myself to say like, what is wrong with you? Pull it together. Pull it together. And the more that I did that is the more I just wasn't getting better. And so I ended up um, having the baby and, again, thinking that if I just work harder, if I just ignore this and try to push forward, I'll be, I'll get better. So I actually, on my mat leave, started a business <laughs> and... Um, thought that you know I'll just continue on with life and I I stopped going to that program because now I had two babies to look after and I figured I'm going to start this business and I'm going to be fine and long story short wasn't fine and um didn't wasn't well enough like the business started to go very well and then things started to fall apart because I just found I couldn't organize things anymore I just found it was like um, I equate it to being like in a big football stadium and the lights just start to go out one by one by one. I felt like that was what was happening to my brain. I just felt like things started to shut off. I just couldn't, my executive functioning wasn't working. I couldn't organize things anymore. I was just not functioning the way that I wanted to function. I just couldn't be that A-type personality anymore. And it got to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore and had to stop and uh, I had to stop the business. I had to, I had to stop everything I was doing and I had to try to finally, finally get help. So I have a question for you because I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm like, Oh my goodness, like how overwhelming this must've been for you. And I think what I'd, I'd love to get a sense from you is, um, and especially what you mentioned earlier, when you had um, when you had gone for the therapy the first time, but a lot of it was just you know about just breaking down and crying. What allowed you to even go get to that space to even try to engage in therapy? Because it really sounds like, from what I'm gathering, even though things are overwhelming and falling apart, there's still this sense of. Um, eventually I just have to get it together. So a lot of the onus, you know, seemed to be on you. um, But there seemed to be something at some point which allowed you to even attempt or even make that initial shift to try that, um, that, um, the the parental, not the parental program, the um, prenatal prenatal Prenatal. program. Well, I was in denial. Mm. And I think the conversation with the first nurse, when she, I just the look on her face, I won't forget the look on her face. And when she was, when she had, to me, 
I didn't think that I had said anything because I went in there thinking I'm putting my best foot forward. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that I had said anything that was unusual. I just thought, you know, life happens. And when she was asking me what was going on in life and things like that. So when she, her response to me made me realize, okay, things are not okay. Mm, and see. then the following social worker, the, that was the nurse and then the social worker saying, yeah, after her his assessment, saying, yeah, I think that you would benefit from this program. So it took these professionals coming to me to say, yeah, we can see things are not great. Because in my mind, I was thinking, I just need to get it together. Like, I I don't know what's wrong with me, but I just need to get it together. And it's not until a professional was kind of saying to me, yeah, no, things are not okay, yeah. that I decided, okay. And then it's that realizing going to that program that, um, I wasn't even able to function. Like I realized that I wasn't functioning right. when I finally went to get the help. Absolutely. And it's so fascinating that, um, again, it, it almost sounds like we put all of this responsibility on our shoulders, right? You know, I mm-hmm. will eventually get this together. Um, I just need to work harder. I just need to be stronger, right? And then, mm-hmm. you know, to get to a place where, you know, someone from the outside looking in saying, it's not about this I thing, you know, you know, there's people here that can actually help you. This is not, you know, this is not just a, a personal deficit. You know, this is just, you know, you know, you need you need, you need to get you know some help and and it's okay to actually have help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at the time I didn't know anybody else who was struggling. Right and at the time, men- there was no bell. Let's talk. There was nobody talking <laughs> about mental health. Right. There was mm-hmm. there was no conversations. There was no podcast like this. There was, <laughs> there was no conversations about mental health at the time except for the fact that I was in the field and clients would come in with depression and clients would come in with you know anxiety and you I you just think that it's like those people are going to have problems not like me I'm a professional uh I have it together (laughs) I was about to say that yeah right it's amazing the type the hats that we wear um, when we're actually in the field, because I mean, as a clinical psychologist, I you sort of feel the same way. You're like, well, listen, mm-hmm. no, 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 I'm on this side of the chair. I, these mm-hmm. things, these things don't affect me. Please, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. I'm the one that's helping everybody and and you know, giving people direction in terms of where to go and and how to you know how to rethink and you know, so I'm I'm helping. How can mm-hmm. I be? overwhelmed depressed you know so it's almost like we take off our humanness and mm-hmm. then we decide we you know we, we can only have this professional hat so it's it's just fascinating what we do when we're in the professions as well but um you know amazing to hear from you that you um eventually sounds like you got to a place where you could say well listen you know i, I think i need to go on the other side <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I need to After sit, I need to fighting. sit in the other, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> After fighting, right? <laughs> yeah, really fighting it, like mm-hmm. really stubbornly fighting it. Because as I said, after that program, I had the baby and then I decided I was going to start my own business. Like, 
because I was just going to work hard <laughs> right? and get right. myself together. Right? right. Exactly. So if I wasn't overwhelmed before, <laughs> let me just right. overwhelm myself some more. But eventually it all work out. I tell you, we the things that the things the way that we think and some of the things that we do um, to really push aside our humanness and, and think that mm-hmm. this is going to be. Um, you know, beneficial. And thank you for also mentioning that we haven't had these discussions about mental health and, Mm -hmm. and mental illness. So you don't even know what, what's, you know, what's going on, what actually isn't right. And, you know, places to even reach out to even, you know, get the help that you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it's, um, so important that when we realize something's wrong that we actually try to reach out to someone to get help okay you know what i i i love so much about your story marcy was i didn't even know that there were programs for prenatal depression Mm -hmm. I I had no idea and I can just imagine because like I've I've been pregnant I just my baby is 10 months old and I'm just thinking of what you went through and when you said all of this happened within six months I was like oh my gosh I just know the first trimester of my pregnancy how difficult that was with the morning sickness and everything and to have and to deal with all of this trauma around you and everything going on and I, I, I'm, I'm amazed and I, and I love hearing that because I didn't know that there are programs out there for prenatal depression. I had no idea. And so many pregnant women go through these battles, these internal battles, because you, you hear about like, um, after post-pregnancy, after having the baby, but not Mm -hmm. prenatal. So it was, it was Mm -hmm. really, thank you for stating that. And thank you for, for being open with that, because I know a lot of mothers are going to be listening to this and be like, wow, I you know, a lot of them were probably not the same story that you've been through, but face depression while pregnant. Mm-hmm. And they can know and that, that was there's another thing that confused me because I yeah. I know that I knew of postpartum depression. Yes. But when they were saying depression, I was like, I'm not postpartum yet. I haven't had this baby. Yeah. So how can this be? And actually, when I went through my history later on and went through my history, I realized that that's what I had during my first pregnancy. But I didn't know what it was either. I was so, so unwell during my first pregnancy, but I kept hearing people say, you know, pregnancies, I was told by my insurance at the time, pregnancy itself is not an illness. And so I just kept saying pregnancy is not an illness, but I couldn't figure out how come I couldn't get myself going in my first pregnancy. So it wasn't until later on that I realized that I went through that in my first pregnancy as well, but didn't know what it was. Wow. Wow. Marcy, mm-hmm. where can you, where would you say that you are right now in your journey? So right now, I, I'm so, so, so excited to say that I am at a place where I am so well and doing and thriving and I'm able to actually help other people. So I had gone back to school. I had done my master's degree in, in um, social work and oh. clinical social work to, in order to be able to do therapy with other people. And so that's what I do now. I actually help other people through their journey. And I feel so privileged to be on the other side of the desk again to be able to help people. But it because of my experience, I totally um, have a, a brand new appreciation for those who are going through their journey right now 
Absolutely. Did you end up, and I, I'm sorry if I missed this or not, but um, were you able to actually have your own course of psychotherapy as well? Because I knew you initially had talked about the, the prenatal depression program and the couple of sessions that you went to, but did you also eventually um, end up um, seeing a therapist, being able to actually complete a course of psychotherapy, or what was sort of your treatment journey? So if I tell you my treatment journey, that would be like a whole other part. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us, break it down. I'm some... going to break it down. Yeah. I'm just going to summarize to say I, and for those who are out there who are going through, I know what it is to go through. Like I'm telling you, my journey wasn't one or two years. I went through a real hell of a seven year, eight year journey. Wow. Um, it was not, it was not just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and move it on. I went through the darkest hour. I couldn't, it went from bad to worse. Uh, I did get help in terms of, uh, um, I had a medical team. I had different other programs. I had hospital programs. I had medications. I had, I like, there's so much that I went through <laughs> to get to the place of wellness that, yeah, like I, it, I've done it all. I've been there to all to through it all and done it all and um, can say that I've come out on the other end. And uh, for those who are going through it, I just want to encourage you that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and you can make it through to a life where you're once again thriving and loving life and loving being alive. Because when you're going through the darkest hour, I remember saying to myself, like, this thing's going to kill me. I don't know if I'm going to survive it. I don't think I can survive it. And I remember saying to myself that if I somehow make this through, if I make it through, which at the time didn't think, I really didn't think I was going to make it out. Um, but I said, if somehow by some miracle of God, I make this, I make it through, I've got to help other people because it is the worst place in life to be when you can't even imagine living the next day. Like you are in such a dark place that you, you just don't even want to be alive anymore because you're not even yourself. You don't even recognize yourself. You're going through things that you never thought you would ever go through. You're in such deep anguish and pain every single day. And you're, it's like you're drowning and there's no one there to, it feels lonely that there's no one there to save you. And it just feels like you're going under every single day. So I know what it is to be there. And I know the struggles of, going through different treatment programs and different things to try to get out on the other side. But yes, I eventually got out on the other side. Oh my goodness. Amazing. What I, if nothing else, what I've taken away from what you've just said is, is that it's a journey because I Mm -hmm. think a lot of times people believe or sometimes will treat mental health and mental illness sort of like, um, um, like in a medical model. If you just take these pills, it will go away really quickly and that, you know, you'll move on quickly. Now, understanding that nobody wants to be in pain. So if I can get rid of this pain quickly, then so be it. But what I appreciate you saying is, is that, you know, you had to go through ups and downs 
ones, highs and lows. And this is this was not just a one month or two month journey. These this was a year's journey, um, you know, to to get to a place where you can, you know, fully say that you love yourself and that you're able to then be a light for now other people. So I want to just just thank you for for that because I think a lot of people listening to this podcast. Um, they may be in a space where they're like, you know, I don't know if I can go through anymore. Why is it taking so long? Um, you know, I should be a lot of times the shoulds come out and, you know, I, I should be, I should be out of this. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Thank you. And to hear what you are saying, I truly believe that those words alone are going to be quite powerful for people that are still going through their journey. So thank you. Absolutely. And thank you, Marcy, for sharing the battle that your mind goes through every single day. Like I, I talk about that all the time. It's 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 like you're locked in this in this in this dark room and it and it, and it's sinking and and it's mm-hmm. a it's a battle. You go to battle every day with your mind, and when you make it out alive every single day, it's just like victory. But then you go back again, and and it's what we we spoke about a few episodes ago. We talked about how healing isn't linear. And that mm-hmm. we, we, we sometimes we, we tend to put like a time stamp on it. Okay, I should get better within six months like or a year. We should get better. But you went through eight years mm-hmm. and you're still on a journey. And so thank you for being so open and honest about that because people will know if anybody's listening right now and, and they're still going through the struggle is to keep going, keep going, keep going. And thank you for sharing that there is a light at the end of that tunnel. I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. I wanted to ask you um, a couple more questions as to right now, how do you think that we can change the stigma on how mental health is viewed in the black community? Well, there, like, there's several things that I can think of. And I, I think five main things in terms of changing the stigma. Number one is educating ourselves. I yes. think we need to understand what the myths are, what the facts are, what's the truth around mental health, mental illness. I think that we still need a lot of education around some of that. Number two is self-reflecting on our own attitudes, behaviors, beliefs that contribute to the stigma, right? That cousin that you have that you keep calling lazy may not be lazy. They could actually have the Yes. (laughs) Yes. Sorry. I'm just like, yes. Thank yeah. you. I know that hit me good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, so yeah. true. That, that, uncle, yes. that you know that crazy uncle that you just say is that crazy uncle, right? You know, could have bipolar depression. Like mm. you, you don't. You, we really need to reevaluate. You know our own attitudes, behaviors, and what we see, and 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 really think about how we could could be contributing to the stigma on an everyday basis. The next thing that I would say um, is just like what I said in my story is get help. I think the secret um, prevents us from going out and getting help. And I think when we actually step out to get help, we are breaking that stigma in our own personal life because we internalize that stigma. So it becomes crippling Mm. to us Mm. and we don't get the help we need. So I would say get help, step out, be vulnerable, try to break that secret in terms of not being able to go out and get that help. 
Then I would say number four is share your story. And I'm so glad to have this platform to be able to share my story. But um, when you shared your story, when I heard your story for the first time, this was maybe like maybe six years ago now, I thought, you know what, she's so brave. And at the time, I was like, I, I don't think I could ever share my story. Like, I, my story is so complicated and complex, and it was such a dark place. I thought, there's no way. I remember sitting in the audience thinking, wow, she's brave. Like, that's great. But then that actually opened me up to the possibility of sharing my story. And so I think it's so important that people talk about their stories, yes. and that also helps. Having the dialogue helps break the stigma and lastly engage in mental health related activities like these podcasts continue to listen to them oh and just yes mental health events i put on a mental health um, awareness event like uh, last week and there was a good turnout i think that whenever you see a mental health event don't think it's for that other person but it's for you to be able to join the dialogue so whether it's an event or social media or podcast Engage yourself in that dialogue. Wow. I got nothing Marcy, to say. these I'm done. are excellent, <laughs> excellent, oh. excellent points. You know, the other day I was at a, a um, at an event for the first Black Mental Health Day in Ken, yeah. in, in Toronto here. And yeah. um, a member of the audience, they were asking if anyone has any questions after the panelists started talking. And and she stood up and she said, um, I just want to make sure everybody is breathing, not just the panelists, but the the guests inside the room, the audience, make sure that you're breathing and make sure that you're grounded because some of the conversations that are taking place and some of the things that are being said, could you could be triggered by mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you're breathing. And at that time when she was saying that, I was holding my breath <laughs> because mm-hmm. I struggle with anxiety. Right. And mm-hmm. I was just like, that is so powerful for you to say mm-hmm. and thank you because even we are here we're, we're, we're the panelists so it's like we, mm-hmm. we know what we're talking about but we still go through it oh and for, for sure. her 100%. to say that make sure you're grounding yourself and that you're breathing i was like mm-hmm. thank you i needed i needed to hear that so it, it really is important for us to and to 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 go to these events and just like mm-hmm. you say marcy whether it's on facebook whether it's on twitter where it's whether it's alive educate yourself Educating herself mm-hmm. about it is so important. Mm-hmm. And the language that we use around oh, it. You know, as yes. a mental health advocate, I had to change a lot of things that I say. Oh, you're so crazy. Can't be using mm-hmm. words like crazy. That's it. You know, I have to change mm-hmm. the dialogue and, and certain words that I say. So it's it's everything that you said, everything that, that you listed, home. or it hits every your excellent, excellent, excellent points. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. I, I, I want to leave you with, um, I, I think this is the part that we call the fun question. I mean, everything is it's great. <laughs> everything is great. This platform is safe and it's fun and constructive. But it's one question. Um, I was at work one day and I saw, I went by the water cooler and they had a little flyer note and they said, take one word for your mental health. And they had a bunch of words listed. So I want to ask you, Marcy, what is one single word? that you would use to describe your journey? Hmm, that's a good question. Hmm. I would use the word triumph. Oh! <laughs> I'm getting nuggets today, boy. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's a good one. Uh, yes. I would say it's not, an, um, it's not every day that 
Um, people go through the things that I went through. And again, I, I've only sugarcoated and kind of summarized, but it's not every day that you go through and come out on the other end and is, and then is able to, you know, become a therapist, uh, start your own practice, help other people, mm-hmm. have these mental health events, you know, do speaking engagements. I, I find it's a privilege and I feel like triumph has happened because I know where I've been. I know how bad it was and I know and those who've journeyed with me know that there was times that I didn't think I would survive and they didn't think I would survive but to be where I am today is nothing but triumph I think that word oh I think it summarizes exactly it's a perfect word yeah absolute perfect word perfect word Marcy Thank you so, so much for for sharing your story, for being a part of our podcast, for enlightening and I think giving hope to a lot of the listeners that that are going to be listening to this episode. So thank you so much. Can we ask you, where can we find you? Yes. You know, what, yes. um, you know, like what is uh, your, your social media, your, your, your website, like where can we find you? What are your you practice, doing? Your everything. practice. We want to know. Oh, thank you. So I'm at Gray Matter Health. So G-R-A-Y Matter Health. So Gray Matter is your brain. Right. My last, my last name is Gray. So. <laughs> oh, good, good play on words. <laughs> Yeah, Gray Matter Health on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. My website is graymatterhealth.com. I practice in um, Peel region. So I, I'm, my office is in Brampton, North Brampton. So I um, service Brampton and Caledon area. Mm-hmm. But I also have clients who come from Toronto and different areas of the GTA. And I do online therapy, so I'm able to kind of connect with those people who are a little bit further uh, further in distance. And so um, I'm, like, really happy to have Grey Matter Health as a platform on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter in terms of building mental health awareness, but also to have my practice to be able to help people one-on-one or through group therapy or couples therapy uh, to be able to help people to work on their healthy minds and healthy relationships. Thank you. Uh, oh, yes. Marcy, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, I can't thank you enough. I think I'm just over saying I thank know. you. Thank you. Thank you. Because this, <laughs> this has been such an enlightening conversation. And you've reached the end of another episode of the blind stigma podcast with your hosts, Stacey Ann Buchanan and Dr. Natasha Williams. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener and you like the show, then please subscribe, rate, and review us on all the major podcast platforms. Don't forget to connect with us on social media at The Blind Stigma and join the conversation. Find out more about each guest and help us to change the stigma while taking back our narratives. This podcast is produced by What's Up Toronto and Stacey Ann Buchanan Productions.